We were headed down this path of more courses and more employees and more contractors and more, 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 because you hear so much in the online space that, you know, the bigger, the better, and you need a big team. And you, if you want to scale, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And uh, we were kind of on this trajectory where like a lot of things were working really well. So we just kept adding more and more and more. And we got to a point where we thought, oh my goodness, this is not the business that we want to run. Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Steph Taylor. For years, I read all the books, downloaded all the freebies and did all the courses. But it wasn't until I started taking Imperfect Action that my business had its first million dollar year. Imperfect Action is about doing things before you're ready, prioritizing consistent action over perfect action, and moving forward, even when you're not sure you're doing it right. On this show, you can expect mindset advice, actionable marketing tips, and strategies to build a business that brings you more profit, more freedom, and even more joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co forward slash DBB or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Imperfect Action. This is episode 569. Today, I'm chatting with my friend and fellow podcaster, business owner, Kate Erickson, who is the heartbeat at Entrepreneurs on Fire, an award-winning podcast with her husband, John Lee Dumas, who interviews inspiring entrepreneurs who are on fire. They are part of the HubSpot podcast network as well. And Kate is also the host of Kate's Take, where she shares the behind the scenes look at running a seven figure business. And she co-hosts Nicole and Kate Can Relate, which is a podcast about the power of conversations. Today, Kate and I are chatting about quite a lot of different topics. Actually, we're talking about how she juggles and stays focused when she's got so many different things uh, on the go, so many different projects that she's focusing on. We're talking about what goes into running a podcast of the size that Entrepreneurs on Fire is and running a multi-seven-figure business. And then we're also diving deep into goal setting, including her process for setting goals and how she stays focused on the goals when they seem like they're just way too far away. They seem like they're not really achievable just yet. I am so excited to share this conversation with Kate with you. I know you're going to get so much out of it. She is super, super inspiring. So I will leave you there and let's jump into this episode. Kate, welcome to Imperfect Action. I am so excited to have you here. Steph, I'm so excited to be here. I like, I loved our in-person hangout and I'm excited to be hanging out online too. <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners who don't know, Kate and I actually met in Boston at Inbound and I don't know, I like to think we became instant friends. Well, like certainly on my side. It's always a little Definitely bit Definitely like- I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kate, you you run Entrepreneurs on Fire with your husband, John Lee Dumas. You host Kate's Take. You co-host Nicole and Kate Can Relate with our mutual friend, Nicole Baldinu. Why do you do what you do? Like there's a lot of different things going on. So what is it that motivates you, that inspires you to keep doing what you do? Okay, so this is kind of threefold and in no particular order, 
So much of what I do is driven by my desire to continuously better myself. Um, growing up and even into my older age, which is just like basically post-college and like corporate America and everything, I struggled a lot with confidence. I struggled with understanding that I get to choose the path of my life. And so all of these things kind of rolled into entrepreneurship and smacked me in the face. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, more people need to know this. So that leads me to number two, which is helping other people discover that you don't have to live a life that you don't like. You don't have to be in corporate America if you don't want to be. And I know that some people love their corporate jobs and that's great. I'm all about it. Um, I just love helping other people discover what I discovered, which is you get to choose. And then uh, number three is just, uh, you know, John and I, ha- when we joined together to create our business, um, Having a shared vision and then seeing the ripple effect of that vision has really inspired me to just want to do, just want to keep doing what we're doing. I mean, when you, and you've experienced it as well, you put out the podcast, you have people tune in, they learn, and then they go and implement something. And that ripple effect is so incredibly beautiful. So that's kind of my, my multi-purpose uh, approach to life and business. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that sounds really similar to my journey as well. Like coming to terms with the fact that there is more than one path to life. You don't have to just take that corporate role and you know, climb your way up the ladder until one day you retire and then you have all of the freedom. Uh, talk me through a little bit like what that process looked like for you coming to terms with the world outside of corporate and finding your way into entrepreneurship. So my big kind of uh, my, my big push, what finally kind of broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, I was working in, uh, at a bank and I had held the same position for about three and a half years. Mind you, this position was at the bottom of the ladder. And so I thought, you know, this is so much room for growth. And I totally am all about like putting your time in and working hard. I, I love working hard. Like I want to. So I'm there three and a half years. I'm showing up. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I'm over achieving. I'm an incredible employee. Like I will toot my own horn all day about my (laughs) efforts at this job. Um, And one day my boss came to me with a promotion opportunity. And this was, I was living in Southern California. The position was in Northern California. I said, you know what? No problem. I would love to relocate. I really want to further my career. I want to move up the ladder. I want a promotion. And she said, okay, you've got it. But just as a formality, we're going to go through the interview process. You're going to chat with their hiring manager, all of this stuff. So I'm like, totally fine. I get it. Um, I do the interview and I'm waiting for the call that's going to offer me the promotion. You know, again, all of formality. And I, I see the phone, the number on the phone ring. I pick it up and it's the hiring manager. And she says, you are perfect for this job. We're so grateful for your service to this company. We love, you know, everything that you have, all your skills and, and everything has built up to this position, but we've decided to hire outside of the company. <sighs> yeah. I was crushed. I was, I was really disappointed. I was sad. I was mad. I had a lot of emotions going on and. Over the next, I'd say maybe week, I 
finally got to a point where I could see a little bit more clearly. <laughs> and I thought, I, there has to be something else. And that was really the moment that I thought, I don't know what that is. I didn't really know about entrepreneurship stuff. I didn't know that people just like created their own ideas and then pursued them and were able to create a lifestyle and love what they do every day. Um, but I knew that there couldn't just be that one way with how, you know, sad and miserable and mad and all of those things that I was after that happened. So I promised myself that in six months, I would save up enough money to quit my job without having to worry about not having a place to live. And that was my first leap into entrepreneurship. <laughs> and now fast forward however many years, how, how long ago was this? That was in 2011. So just over 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago. And now you essentially run, you're, you're the, the heartbeat, as you describe it, behind Entrepreneurs on Fire, which, well, you've had like over 120 million, was it? Downloads? Yes. Yeah. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness. What did those first few years look like versus what it looks like now? Very different. Um, so when I quit that job and started my own entrepreneurial venture, I was actually, I did it solo. So John was working in corporate America at the time. And I thought, I'm going to take all my passions and I'm going to have people hire me to do my passions. <laughs> Again, not really knowing like how to start a business or how to set it up or what was required or any of that. So, I mean, the first uh, few months of that looked like me with my laptop in a cafe being like, this is so strange. People aren't telling me what to do. And I don't really know what to tell myself to do. So I guess I'll Google a lot. <laughs> I can relate um, to that. Yes. Yeah. I think we all can, right? Because when you're first starting out, there are so many unknowns. And before you've had the experience and kind of started taking the actions, what else are you supposed to do, right? I mean, luckily, eventually I realized that I could join masterminds and I could start going to meetups and mixers and surround myself with other entrepreneurs who were on the same path as me, which was so incredibly powerful. Um, but that kind of led me to the next progression. Um, and, you know, fast forward a couple of years, John had started Entrepreneurs on Fire while I was at a corporate job. And then once he picked up enough momentum, the audience was growing. He started monetizing the show through coaching was his first uh, avenue of monetization. And he, we were walking on the beach one day, I'll never forget it, in Maine. And he said, what do you think about quitting your job and joining me on the team? And I thought, oh my goodness, this is all kinds of scary because we had we were somewhat new in our relationship as a couple. We had just moved in together. He had started this business. I was working in corporate America. So anyhow, um, those that, like that first year of, of being entrepreneurs together and running this business together, so much of it was around me trying to figure out and uncover what I was best at, what I love doing, and how those two things combined could provide an impact for our business and for our audience. And that's really what it looked like then is a lot of figuring things out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I think, I think for so many of us, that figuring things out is such an essential part of the process 
But a lot of the time we try to skip it. We think we need to have everything figured out before we take any action. We think we need to have everything figured out. Um, otherwise, if we have to figure it out along the way, it's failure. Or if we have to pivot, it's failure. But actually, no, the process of figuring out figuring it out is going to have those twists and turns. And I think that's what makes it so exciting. Um, yeah. So, so now fast forward to today. And you and John run a multi seven figure business, which is, it's huge. It's been around for a while and your podcast is huge. What actually goes into running a business of that size? Because I know we all say we want that size of business without realizing what goes on behind the scenes and how much work goes into it. So yeah, I'm super curious, like, what does it take? Yeah. So our business has been through so many kind of like valleys and peaks and that whole journey to your point, I feel like so much of that is what it's all about, right? It's about the experiences and the lessons learned and the relationships and um, the failures and the wins and all the highs and the lows, like all of that makes up your journey. And that's the fulfilling part. That's the part where you get to see the impact that you're creating, where you get to see that ripple effect, where you get to hear from your audience and, um, you know, mess up in one place, but then come back and do it better the next time. And that, that is really like all what has kind of come together to create where we are today. Even just four years ago, our business looked very different than it does today. We were headed down this path of more courses and more employees and more contractors and more, 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 more. Because you hear so much in the online space that, you know, the bigger, the better, and you need a big team. And you, if you want to scale, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And uh, we were kind of on this trajectory where like a lot of things were working really well. So we just kept adding more and more and more. And we got to a point where we thought, oh my goodness, this is not the business that we want to run. We don't want to manage 10 employees and we don't want to have eight contractors on retainer and we don't want to manage four different communities. And so getting to where we are today has been a lot of that has been, you know, a couple of years of hiring team and figuring out what that looks like. What does it mean to manage a team? And then launching courses, launching masterminds, hosting live events, becoming an affiliate partner for different companies and bringing on sponsors to our show. And I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned through all of these different iterations of our business that we've had is one, none of it happens simultaneously. Like we've almost had to take these, you know, start a chapter and close it before we get to the next thing by choice. Like we've recognized that we can't just go and launch like three different things and have them be successful. That's not really how it works. And so a lot of running the business was about listening to our audience finding out what their biggest pain points were, were, what they were asking us for, then sitting down and saying, how are we equipped right now to be able to deliver a solution to one of these problems, building out an outline for whatever that solution is, doing an MVP of it and getting proof of concept by asking people to pay us money for it, and then creating it. And that's how our business 
has been built is one of those iterations after another, but never at the same time. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is they try and do like four of those things at once, right? <laughs> yeah. Or or they try to search for proof of concept without actually putting anything out there. I think that happens mm. quite a lot as well. They think the more planning and the more research, quote unquote, because you can't really do a whole lot of research until you're actually asking people to pay money for it. Um, the more planning, the more research that they can do, the more likely they will be to create something that succeeds. And I don't think people realize how much goes into just putting something out there, like finding out, yeah, what does my audience need from me right now? And how can I serve them right now? How can I help them with that right now? And then putting something out there, testing it, seeing how it goes and starting that whole process again. But I really, I want to go back to what you were mentioning before about feeling like you had to do more, 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 because I think I've, I've definitely felt that as well, especially, yeah, in the online space where you see everybody's just doing so much and you're like, oh, I need to be doing that much if I want to keep up as well. I'm curious how you, how you came to that decision to not continue or to stop doing more and was it one of you, like, was it you first or John first, or was it something that you both realized at the same time that you wanted to actually stop doing more and be a little bit more intentional with how you were spending your time? It was kind of in line with a big website revamp that we were doing. And we had, uh, we hired a contractor who came in and thankfully was very blunt with us about the fact that when somebody went to our website, they didn't know what to do. There are too many options. And they laid it out very beautifully in a way that just really clicked with both of us and that made us very quickly realize that we were confusing people. We were trying to get more people to our site, but more people to our site when there's not something for them to do or when they can't find what they want or when they don't have a clear next step, it doesn't matter. So. That was really kind of a big aha for us. I mean, it sounds simple, right? But it was in that moment that we realized, okay, we're doing this exercise to try and identify the one thing that we want people to do when they come to our website, and we couldn't even figure it out ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, this probably means that we have too many things that we want our audience to do. And so we stripped everything away. And we looked at what are the five most impactful things in our entire business and how can we double down on those five things to really like immensely embrace the 80-20 rule. And it was in that moment and over the next year that we ruthlessly cut anything that did not have to do with those five core things in our business. And that really allowed us to set our business up for the success that we're seeing today because we were able to focus on the things that were actually moving the needle, this impact for our audience that we love doing and that we're generating revenue. And that felt amazing. Oh, I'm curious. Would you mind sharing what the five things are? Because I'm sure our listeners are probably thinking, yeah, but like I have more than five things. What are these five things? Yeah. Okay. So for us, it was a podcast first and foremost. That That's always been the foundation of our business. Um, It was our email list because that's our direct connection with our audience that we own. Um, It was our affiliate relationships, our sponsorship relationships, 
and our physical products, which includes a suite of four journals and a physical um, book that John published. So those were the big five for us. And they still remain the big five for us today. Interesting, because you also sell a course. You have a couple of yes, courses, we, don't you? We do have we do have Podcasters Paradise, which is our oh I'm sorry, sponsorships and the podcasts are one. And then it's oh, our courses. Um right now our flagship course, actually I say right now, but it's been so since 2013, is our podcasting community called Podcasters Paradise. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's actually, those things are quite broad. I was thinking when you said five, five focus areas, I, I was thinking it was going to be like, you know, the podcast, uh, a service, another service, a particular lead mm-hmm. magnet, you know, like really specific granular things. So they're actually quite broad. And I can imagine with those five things, you get your attention pulled in a lot of different directions. How do you, as somebody who is the heartbeat, I love that the heartbeat. Of the business. How do you stay focused on what needs to be focused on? And how do you allocate your time between the different things that are pulling you in all the different directions? It's tough. That's an excellent point that you bring up because when, when you talk about them in such a broad sense like that, that could mean a million different things, right? Um, over the past 10 years, we've built a team very intentionally who helps us with very specific things in our business. So when I say the podcast and sponsorships are like one of our main focuses, what that really like results in is John recording the episodes, his personal assistant helping him upload and schedule those, having the content on our site to back up each of those episodes with show notes, um, locking in sponsor relationships with it, which is my focus and making sure that we're delivering on those. And then, you know, following up with our guests to see if they will show, share the show with their audience as well. So I say podcast, but like that's really the podcast for us. Um, but that doesn't, you know, eliminate your point of that's still a lot of different things in a lot of different directions. So I am such a huge fan of time blocking and batching. And so I have like themes for my days where, you know, I know a a day of the week of a certain time of the month is like my sponsorship day. I'm fully focused on sponsorships, communicating with them for talking points, um, you know, making sure that the right sponsors are in the right episodes, doing any contracts, invoicing, that kind of stuff. And so I don't ever allow my schedule to include like a lot of random different things uh, in the same day. I have a content day. I have a podcast day. I have a sponsor day. I have a course day. And so they don't I don't allow them to mix and mingle because I know that that is a recipe for a lack of focus, distractions, context switching, wasting time, and so on. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, wow, I need your discipline because I tried to implement that. I've tried to make it that I only do calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays and somehow they've bled into Wednesdays and Fridays as well. It, it it honestly is a constant practice and i i find myself slipping a lot because it's really easy to have an opportunity come up or um you know something come across your plate where you're like oh but i'll 
I'm just going to sneak that in there. And once it gets snuck in there, it's an easy, slippery slope. Um, so you're not alone. I, I totally bring myself back to this schedule often. <laughs> and like, I can imagine that you are also probably, you strike me as the kind of person who sets goals, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, I'm a little bit, I have a complicated relationship with goals because yeah, <laughs> I either set ones that are way too lofty or I just don't set them at all. And I'm curious to know, like, what is your process for setting goals and how does that differ between maybe personal goals, business goals? Are they the same? How does that look for you? So whenever I'm approaching a goal, I always look at it from like how overwhelming it feels to me. And if it feels really overwhelming, then the time I give myself to accomplish that goal becomes shorter. So the more overwhelming and complex, the shorter my time frame becomes. And really the reason for that is it forces me to get more specific about what I'm trying to accomplish. So like a couple weeks ago, I was chatting with a friend and she told me uh, the reading uh, list that she follows. The, it's a book club that they publish the books that they read and she kind of hops on, checks out those books and then chooses the books she wants to read. And I'm like, oh gosh, for the longest time, I've had this goal of finding a book list and I'm never really happy with the books I'm reading. And so I don't really ever get through books and that bothers me. And I, my goal is to read more books books. But I'm like, oh gosh, finding a reading list. And then then I'm going to have to like read a bunch of books to see if it's a reading list that I like and I want to continue following. And like, it was just too complicated. So I wasn't doing anything. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out to a friend today and I'm going to ask her what her favorite book is that she's reading right now. And that got me into my goal. Not the, I'm going to find a reading list and I'm going to start following it and I'm going to read five books in the next month. It was, I need to reach out to a friend, ask her what book she's reading and start reading that book. Um, that's kind of a smaller example, right? Like sometimes we have way bigger goals than that, but I find that really challenging myself in that way is incredibly helpful in getting me into my goal. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's so, so applicable to business because Certainly earlier on in business, and I still do this sometimes, and I know a lot of my listeners do this, where we'll put the cart before the horse. We'll be like, oh, yes, I need to choose where to host my podcast before they've even decided what they're going to podcast about. Or they're like, I need to set up my website before they even know what they're selling. In your case, it's like, I need to find a reading list before you've even opened a book. And I, I think it can be really demotivating when we start to look at all of the different steps, all of the different books we have to read versus just that one small, small action that's in front of us. So I love, I love the way that you framed it like that. When you're setting, when you're setting bigger goals, how do you stay focused when they feel really far away? So in 2000, 15, 16. In 2016, <laughs> um, John and I launched a journal called the Freedom Journal. It's literally a framework for how to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. So the framework of this journal is literally you doing the same things every single day to help you get closer to your goal. And so even my biggest goals will never extend out more than 100 days. And I found the most powerful thing in kind of 
adopting a daily routine around your goals is not only the accountability that that it gives you, but also your ability to consistently check in with yourself to gauge your progress towards your goal. So if I say that I'm going to launch a podcast in 50 days, 50 days, kind of a long time from now. So what am I going to do today and how does that affect what I'm going to do tomorrow? And what I do tomorrow, how's that going to affect what I do in 45 days from now? So with a routine of daily checking in and writing down one thing that you're going to accomplish that day that's going to help you get one step closer to your goal, checking in with yourself each night to say, did I accomplish what I set out to do? Checking in and seeing what's working for me right now, what's not working for me right now. And if it's not working for me, how can I either change it or get rid of it? And what's the one thing I'm going to do tomorrow that's going to get me closer to my goal? And every seven days, 10 days, 15 days, 25 days, 30 days, you break it up depending on, you know, what your full goal time is. This is, this is what I do. Um, every so like, if I was working on a 50-day goal, I would be checking in probably either every five or seven days to say, okay, I'm five days in to my 50 days. What have I accomplished in the last five days? And what do I need to accomplish over the next five days to keep on track with the time that I have left? And the timing aspect of it is what gets pushed so often. We think, okay, well, I didn't do it today. I'll just do it tomorrow. But then what does that mean for what you had set up for tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And it means it's going to continue getting pushed. And if you don't have a goal date in place that you're holding yourself accountable to, your goal never gets accomplished. So that's kind of the way that I like to approach it. (laughs) Oh, and that's such a, that's such a, it feels like such a truth bomb about procrastination as well. I remember, I remember reading or hearing somewhere that it's like, Every time you procrastinate, you are just pushing your dreams further into the future. And it was like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. When you put it like that. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) But so you, is this the process then that's in the freedom journal where you're setting these goals and you're checking in with them? Because I think, I think people sometimes they think that freedom and goals and productivity, like the freedom and the structure just can't coexist. But obviously, you've managed to create this freedom in your life by having that structure. How have you intentionally structured your business and your life to have both you know, the, the goals and the productivity and the freedom? So this came as a realization of exactly what you just said. The structure creates the freedom. And I know that people who are spontaneous and don't like checklists and planning and timing. (laughs) Yeah. You you pointing to yourself. Yep. Um, I know that this seems completely counterintuitive because you think that the structure is taking away the the creativity or the freedom. Um, For me, I've recognized that in my experience, that's what creates the freedom. So if I can be disciplined for X amount of time, it will give me my free, my free time, right? Um, we first discovered this in 2014. We'd been working on the business for two years straight. We had not taken a day off. We were up late. I mean, it was like hustle time, right? In 2014, we decided to take a two-week trip through Europe, completely unplugged from our business. 
no email, no internet, no social media, nothing. So in order to do that with a daily podcast, we had to do a lot of stuff ahead of time and we had to create batch work and we had to figure out how we were going to schedule things because we weren't going to be online for those two weeks. We made a totally separate email account and we shared it with one person on our team. And we said, you can email us if like the house is burning down. Otherwise, you guys have got this. We trust you. You're good to go. You know that we're out of pocket. We came back from those two weeks in Europe. Not only was everything going swimmingly well, we generated more money that month than we had the last month. And we realized something that when we set up systems and when we create this consistency in our business, that it gives us the freedom to do something like take two weeks completely unplugged. And since then, actually, the last time we did it because of COVID in 2019, we did a 90-day Europe trip. We were not completely unplugged. We were still checking in on our business, but we traveled Europe for 90 days straight with a backpack, and it was incredible. Now, not everybody wants to do that, right? Like you might find a different type of freedom that you want in your life to be able to hang out with your kids every day or to be able to spend time with your parents or whatever it might be. Um, but I recognize that when we create things like that in our business, that it gives me the freedom that I want. And so that has been more than enough motivation for me to get myself in check and get our business in check and get our systems in check uh, so that we can have that. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. Uh, in August this year, I took two weeks completely off the grid and went hiking through the outback. And I, like, I don't, I don't know if you've been to the outback. I know you've been to Australia, but I don't think you've been to the outback, Kate. But like, there is no phone reception. I had maybe one bar of 4G at the top of the hill. And other than that, I was completely unplugged for the two weeks. But it was so good because it forced me to delegate a whole bunch of tasks that I'd been holding on to. You know, the, the story of like, nobody else can do this. I have to do this. And it forced me to give them to my team and trust my team that they've got this because they do. And nothing, the, the place didn't burn down. The house didn't catch on fire and it was magic. It felt so good. But I think when people are starting out, they really struggle with that initial, that initial trust or that initial getting those tasks off their plate and trusting that other people can do them as well as they can. Was this something that came naturally to you or was it something that you had to build the muscle over time? Totally build the muscle. I'm still building the muscle. <laughs> Trust me, there's probably a good amount of things on my plate that shouldn't be right now. And it's totally because I hold on to them. Um, not that they shouldn't be delegated. And I truly think that I'm not a born manager. I'm very much like, I want to be in charge. I want to know that things are getting done and I want to know that they're getting done the way I want them to get done. And over the past 10 years, kind of stepping into a manager role and hiring our team and in, in delegating more and trusting more, that has absolutely been um, a challenging journey for me. Yeah, me too. I totally resonate with that. And like when you've poured so much of your own, so, so much of your time and your energy into building something, it's such a huge thing to trust somebody else with what you've created. And oh, it's like, it's, it's almost like giving, I, I don't have a baby, but like I can imagine it's like giving your baby to somebody else to look after. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. But that's the thing, you know, the same type of feeling that I got about those two weeks in Europe and setting up those systems and, and doing all of the work beforehand for us to be able to do that. I get the same feeling when I delegate something, the same feeling of like, why have I been doing this for such a long time? Somebody else can totally do this. And honestly, a lot of times they do it better than me. I'm sitting here thinking like, nobody can do this as good as I can. And then I delegate it and someone does it even better. So I think that there's a lot to be said of kind of taking those baby steps. And um, I don't know if this has been your experience too, but you know, the more that I do it, the more I see the benefits of it and how it helps me create the the lifestyle that I want, the business that I want. And each of those steps is confirmation and further confidence that it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Like each time I delegate something and get that off my plate, that opens up time in my week where I can now focus more on the things that I enjoy doing rather than doing the things that I've just been doing because I thought I had to. I totally relate Absolutely. to that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kate, I I'm going to wrap up this episode by asking you something that I you're the first actually the first guest that I'm interviewing since rebranding the show to Imperfect Action, but this is this is the question that every guest is now going to be asked on this show. So, no no oh, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd love to know what is a time when you've taken Imperfect Action to achieve a goal and what happened as a result of that? Ooh, okay. I'm going to give you an example of something that I'm actually living right now. <gasps> so mid-September, I went online and I Googled how many days till the end of the year. And it was like maybe 108 or something. And I thought, oh, okay. I have an opportunity if I act fast to do a 100-day goal challenge along with our 100-day flow and invite people to join me completely free. Join us in our private Facebook group. Tune into my podcast. I'm going to be publishing a podcast episode a day for the next 100 days to help people accomplish their number one goal. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it because the 100 days till the end of the year was coming up really fast. So I basically put together an outline for my intro episode, introducing this idea. Um, my goal being to actually publish an episode a day for 100 days and be in that Facebook group every single day to do a post about the topic for that day. And whoever wants to be held accountable and be surrounded by like-minded people and, you know, have access to me to chat about their goal every day can join. And it's been a really incredible journey. Like I'm learning so much, not only about the commitment that you give to something like this. And, you know, in the, in the beginning, I'm like, a hundred days is going to be so great. I'm a podcaster. I've been podcasting for like nine years. I can do this. And I'm realizing that a hundred days in a row is a lot of podcast episodes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's creating a lot of content and a lot of editing and a lot of uh, post-production. Um, but I'm also learning by being in our Facebook group how impactful it is. If even just one person is able to accomplish their goal from this, it will be way more than worth it. And I think that when we, again, kind of going back to the beginning of our chat today, 
that ripple effect when you realize that what you're putting out there is making such a deep impact for other people. I mean, that's why I do what I do. So it's been incredible so far. I'm around day 50. So wish me luck. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Halfway through. That's, that's huge. And like, I, I, I know I said that was my last question, but this is my last question. Okay. Who did you have to become to be putting out all of this content every single day? Because I'm sure like it, you have to let go of a few things. You have to change a few things about how you work to be able to show up that consistently. So like who, who did you have to become? I honestly think kind of the next version of my content creating self. (laughs) Um, I love creating content. It's always been like one of my passions is writing. And I really feel like this came into my periphery and that I accepted this goal subconsciously, unconsciously, whatever, um, not really knowing it, but it bringing me back to what I love to do so much and that's create content. Um, you know, we mentioned a lot of other things that were that we focus on in our business and sometimes that can pull me away from the content creation side of things. So I really feel like this has this came to me in order to bring me back there and I'm really grateful for that. Oh, I love that. Kate, if any of our listeners want to connect with you, maybe if they want to join the 100-day challenge but 50 days too late, um where where can they find you? Where can they connect with you online? Everything that we do is over at eofire.com. That's our home base. Um, and I love having one-on-one chats with people. My email is kate at eofire.com. If anyone feels inclined to reach out and just say hello, I'd love to hear from you and to hear that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much, Kate. We'll pop all of your links in the show notes. And I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for this amazing chat. Thank you. It was really great to reconnect. All right. That is it for today's episode. If you haven't already hit subscribe, make sure you hit the plus button in Apple Podcasts or the follow button in Spotify and you'll get each new episode straight to your podcast app every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And if you have any friends who you think might be struggling with this issue, hit the share button, copy the link, and send it over to them. It's how I get to help more people. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.